So I'm going to give you some more encouragement because that's what you come to church to, to hear, encouragement. And the encouragement is that you guys are sinners. Amen. Amen. And then that uh, you fall short all the time. And you are fearful and you have anxieties. Uh, there's, a, there's a saying that in, in AA that I've heard that I think describes everybody. It's a, it's a if I can remember it. An egomaniac with an inferiority complex, right? That's you guys. You're welcome. I'm here to encourage you. And no matter how hard you try, you're never going to be the perfect Christian. You're going to fall short. You're going to make mistakes. No matter how hard you try, you're never going to be the perfect spouse. Is anyone here married to the perfect spouse? Okay, we have some very prudent men in in the congregation. Very wise. No, the answer is no. As great as Carmela is, and she is close to the same as we have, she is not perfect. And see, and that's what we're talking about today when we talk about the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. Though the Old Covenant ends in a very dis- depressing state. In fact, there's some words at the end uh, that, they, that the, they've rearranged in the Hebrew Bible because they didn't want the end of uh, the text to end with a curse. See, in Malachi, God is speaking through Malachi to his people and say, you're still not getting it. We've been through this whole history of me blessing you, me living in covenant with you, or calling you into covenant, giving you the law to help you keep the covenant, sending you the prophets to, to tell you you're not living in the covenant and to call you back, and you haven't listened, you haven't uh, been obedient, you haven't obeyed. You, and, and he goes... In Malachi, he says, yeah, you, you're just going through the motions. Yeah, you're bringing sacrifices. But he says, you're bringing me your deformed stuff, the, the stuff you don't want anyway. God says, try doing that. Try giving that to your governor. See how impressed he is. And he says, there will be a time when my name is great. And that's the end of the old covenant. He's saying, God's saying, you still are not getting it. You're still falling short. But that's the good news, right? That's the new covenant. That's what Jesus came in the world for. And so today, as you can tell, we're talking about the new covenant. And, and for a pastor, right, Aaron, this is, this is, we could do a whole series. So trying to, trying to uh, squeeze this into 30 minutes, I hope I give you the, the big overview of, of both. So our, our text today comes out of Jeremiah chapter 31, beginning in verse 31, going to verse 34. Listen for the word of the Lord. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with my people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I 
was a husband to them. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor to say to one another, know the Lord, because they will, know, because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness. I will remember their sins no more. This is the word of God for the people of God. So in Jeremiah, he's telling us that he's going to make a new covenant. And why is he making a new covenant? Is because we, humanity, what we learn from Scripture is that we cannot keep the old covenant. We can't be righteous enough. We can't be obedient enough. We can't be faithful enough. I mean, that's the story. It's a recurring story throughout the Old Testament. The people of God chosen to uh, show the nature of God to the world continually enter into covenant with God and they break it. Usually they break it when things are going well. And that's kind of a a trend for us. I, I know it's been a trend for me. I usually don't fall short when, thing, when I'm struggling or things are hard. I'm leaning on, on God pretty much. I'm crying out to God to help me and, and uh, lead me through this. And, but when I tend to backslide is when things are going really well. And I begin to think, you know what? Thanks, God. I got this. You've given me this skill and this talent. And Lord, thank you so much. But I've, I've done all of this on my own. You know, and that's human nature, or at least what we see in the Old Testament. You know, God was clear with them when, he was finally, when they were finally going into the promised land. He gave them the whole book of Deuteronomy that is one big, remember me and don't forget. Don't forget who's blessed you. Don't forget who gave you this land. Don't get in there and start going, oh, look what we've accomplished for ourselves. But God being sovereign knows human nature. And what does he say towards the end of Deuteronomy? He goes, okay, all Deuteronomy, it just cracks me up. He says, don't forget, don't forget. Teach your children, teach your children. Be obedient to the law. He gave the law so that it would help them stay in covenant, in right relationship. Don't forget, don't forget, be obedient, teach your children. And what do they do as soon as they get in the promised land? All right, that's not hard. What did they do? Neil, help me out. They forgot, right? And they assimilated and they forgot and they began to worship other gods. And as a result, they got further and further away from God. And that happens over and over and over. Why did that happen? Well, he gave them, he entered into covenant with the patriarchs. He gave them the law. He gave, he, he gave them the prophets to remind them of all of this stuff and to call them back. So it seems like, why would it fail? Anybody? Because it depended on us. It depended on us being faithful to the covenant. It depended on us being obedient to the law. 
It depended on us to faithfully listen to the prophets. But we have a problem. Going back to uh, Genesis chapter 3, God has given us this gift of free will, but in our humanness, we tend to use that for ourselves. Remember? The, the core of original sin, choosing our will over God's will. Choosing our will over others. Selfishness is at the core of sin. So that always leads us astray. So we we're, we're, cannot do it. The old covenant is not going to work because it depends on us. Which we've already established at the beginning. That is not a good foundation for a plan. We're not going to do it if we're honest with ourselves. We're not going to be good enough. And we don't understand. We know a lot of good people. But we don't understand pure holiness, pure righteousness. There's not one of us that is that. Not even close. And we can look at others and say, yeah, I'm pretty good. I don't want to pick on Carmilla because she's so sweet, but we can look around and say, Carmilla's a lot better than most of us. She's better than me. And her disposition and her sweetness and everything else. And she's like, Carmilla's up here. I know what y'all think. Carmilla's way up here. Jim's down here. And that's true. But even Carmilla, when we're looking at God, is way down here. Right? And so we're not going to be the ones. And if it's dependent on us. And so it tells us that God has made a, a new covenant. And why did he make a new covenant? Because we read this Tuesday night in Romans, that God is righteousness. And so it, it says, is, is our unfaithfulness cancel out God's righteousness? No, because God is more righteous than we can ever imagine. We think, well, God is righteous, so he kept his end of the covenant. So he's righteous. But God is so righteous that a covenant that God's involved in cannot fail. That's righteousness. And it's not going to fail. No matter, even though he's entered into this covenant with a bunch of fallen people. But God's going to make it work. And so what is the essence of the new covenant? Jesus. Jesus, period. A little side track right here. Jesus, period. When, we are, when you listen to preaching and it's talking about our church is preaching, which we have too much of this today, they're preaching Jesus plus something, Jesus plus works, Jesus plus um, acts, Jesus plus anything. Jesus plus is not the gospel. Jesus period, is the gospel. Jesus is, is the new covenant. And the new covenant is totally, this is the good news. The new covenant is totally and utterly dependent on Jesus. So it's one of those things like we were talking with the kids. God looking down at his children and said, mm, y'all can't do this, can't you? Right? But God knew that. That's what the law was for. See, in Romans, Paul says, so if we're not supposed to live by the law and there's something new, does that mean the law is bad? 
No, it's not bad. In Galatians, and we're talking about this Tuesday night, little plug right there. In Galatians, he says, no, the law's not bad. The problem is we're trying to use it for something it wasn't intended to be for. The law was never meant to save us, never meant to reconcile us. It was meant to identify sin. Paul says in Romans, I wouldn't have known what coveting was until someone said, don't covet. Don't look at somebody else's life and wish you had their life. Don't steal. Don't murder. Before God established that, it was just out there. We wouldn't have known. The law tells us what sin is. The law also acts as a mirror. It reveals in us our inability to keep it, to be righteous. I have some weeks that I'm better than other weeks. But even on my best week, I fall short. And how do I know that? The law. That gives me that measuring stick. And then finally, I mean, you can use it. Well, I'm going to throw in another. It, it fills in where the law, where the spirit is absent. So in the Old Testament, the spirit had not been poured out in the world. And so it acted more like a, a squirt gun, Right? It wasn't this over-flooding thing that we saw in Acts after Jesus went. It was more like the Spirit came upon him. The Spirit lifted him up. And so then when Jesus came, he says, I must go. So the Spirit, we've already talked about the Spirit. And so now it is the the new covenant, and all those that are with the, have the Spirit of God in them receive this gift of grace. We talked about this, remember, back a few weeks ago, the, the Spirit, the new Spirit that's in us. The Spirit unites us with Christ. He unites us, the Spirit unites us with Christ so that His sacrifice becomes our sacrifice. See, Jesus came, as He said, Two different times, he wasn't kind of dicturing himself. He said, I have come to fulfill the law. He had come to fulfill the Old, the old Testament. It tells us in Hebrews that it is a better covenant, a new covenant, because he is our eternal high priest. He is the pure and unblemished sacrifice that fulfills completely the Old Covenant. And so he comes to fulfill the Old Covenant, but he also comes to establish the New Covenant. We've been talking about in Jeremiah and Ezekiel that it says, I'll come and put a new covenant and I'll give you a new heart. I'll give you a new spirit. I will cause the spirit to dwell in you. You won't have to guess. You won't have to go around and say, no, God, because I will, everyone will know God that has the spirit of God in them. And so you won't have to say that. The old covenant can't do any of that. Only through the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God only comes to us through the new covenant. And so God was so righteous, jumping back, God was so righteous that he said, I'm going to come in the incarnation as a human and keep your end of the covenant. So Jesus, it says, was faithful even unto death on the cross. Remember, we talk about this a lot the parallel between Adam and Jesus. Adam was in the garden when the fall came, and we see the essence of humanity's sin, choosing our will selfishly. 
using our will selfishly. He's in the garden. He's presented with God's will. Don't eat from that tree, God's command, God's law. And what does he do? He gets tempted and he doubts God. Broken faith, broken trust. What does Jesus do? Just before his uh, death on the cross, he's in the garden, a garden of Gethsemane. He's in there and he expresses his will. God, take this cup from me. In other words, I'd rather not do this. But, here's, here's the beginning of the new cup. Not my will, your will. And so Jesus comes and as a human, fully divine and fully human. Fully human so that he can be the sacrifice and the redemption of our sin. Fully divine so that he might be raised up to new life. And we are, when we are united with him in death, when we are reunited, then we are united, Romans tells us, with him in life. And we do that by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so now, when God looks at me, he sees Christ's righteousness and Christ's faithfulness, not my unrighteousness. Jesus comes and comes over me, over you. And that's the new covenant. That's why it says in Hebrews, it's a better covenant. It's eternal covenant because it's not based on us. It is solely based on the faithfulness and righteousness of God in the person of Jesus Christ. That's why it's a new covenant. And that's why it's good news. The bad news is, and we don't, we, we run away from this. The bad news is we're all sinners. We all fall short. You know when faith becomes hard? Is when we try to act like we're not. And when, you know why people stop coming to church? Because they feel judged. They feel um, not good enough. You ever hear somebody go, yeah, I want to come to church when I want to get my life right straight. Or get my life straight first. It's, that, that's backwards. That's that's. That's religion by the law. So you'll have to turn in Tuesday because I'm going to be off on my soapbox. Too many churches, no matter what kind of church, social progressive, uh, prosperity, um, uh, moralistic, whatever. Too many churches are preaching law and people feel condemned. People feel judged, not forgiven in grace because they say, what are you doing? How are you living your life? Go out. And earn your salvation. Well, that burden is too big. It's too big. We need to come in and we need to begin with, I'm a sinner. We, we have a, the, the, this guy's group. A couple of these guys are in on Monday. And I know other people have life groups. And so these are very similar to Mayus fourth day groups. But all we come in and do, and most time we spend, we sit and say, how, how, how bad we screwed up this week. Where we let our wives down. Where we fell short. We have some other things, but I can't say them in church. And, but you know what? We leave there unburdened. We leave there free because we realized we experience grace. That it's not dependent on me. There's something spiritual that, that releases us because we know, thank God, I'm a screw-up. But, woo, thank God it doesn't depend on me. Jesus did it for me. 
because I couldn't do it myself. Song says, Jesus owed a debt he did not. Y'all know that? I owed a debt I could not pay. Jesus paid a debt he did not owe. That's the new covenant. And that's the good news. That it's not about us. It's about Jesus. You know, and that, and that so many times we need to ask ourselves. We need to ask ourselves. What am I doing at church? Am I there just to make it my old self better? To, to a little improvement, a little patchwork? You know, the, the thing is, we're, we're not going to do it. Jesus did it for us. It's not going to be our righteousness. It's not going to be our faithfulness, our goodness. It is a gift we receive through faith, a gift given to us by God in the person of Jesus Christ. And yet so often we just come in and we don't really give. We, 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 I thought about this. I thought, oh, this would be a great analogy, but you know, it's too old. Every, anybody in here see the jerk with Steve Martin? Okay, a few of you will get this. The, the classic scene where, I mean, you'd have to know the movie, but a classic scene where he's leaving. He goes, I don't need nothing. I don't need anybody. Well, I need this book, and that's it. And that's all I need. I don't need you. I don't need, well, I need these glasses. And then it goes on until he has a lamp and a bookshelf. He goes, this is all I need. You know, that, this is, that's us in our Christian walk. Lord, I give you my whole life. And I give you my heart. Oh, but not that. I like that the way it is. And I don't want to stop doing this. And I don't want to stop doing that. All right? The thing is, I tell people all the time that are thinking about coming to Christ or Lord's working in their life, I say, you do not have to give up one thing to come to Christ but you have to be willing to. Because it might not be something God asks you to give up. You just have to say, Lord, I am yours. There's a book called um, um, Renovate or Die, and it's about churches. Um, and, it, and it's saying that, this came out of several years ago, but it's saying you, church really has to rethink itself and, and re, how it presents, and you have to really kind of Start from scratch. He goes, so many times we come in and churches say, yes, we got to start over and we got to do new discipleship. We got to do this. And they end up just rearranging the furniture. They don't start from scratch. They don't make things new. And I think that goes for our lives too. We came, we come in and we're like, oh, I need, I need some God. I need some help. What we, what we mean a lot of times, I need to feel better. And once we feel, start feeling better, then we stop following. But that's so often too many people just come in and say, yeah, I want to give, but I, I mean, I want to give myself to the Lord. But what we really mean is I just want to rearrange the furniture a little bit. I don't want anything too drastic. When God wants to tear it all down and build it up, build it up new. And we don't think that's possible because we think in the ways of the world. We limit God's power. Yet, I've seen it over and over, God tearing down 
and building up brand new. And this is possible because of the new covenant, because of what Jesus Christ has done for you, because what Jesus Christ has done for me. Remember this. You'll have to tune in Tuesday because we're going to continue kind of talking about the law. Remember the new covenant. The old covenant was all about us. Could we be obedient enough? Could we be faithful enough? Could Could we be good enough, righteous enough? The answer is clearly no. The new covenant is eternal. It is for, as I said, eternal forever. It will never be broken because it is based on Jesus and his faithfulness and his righteousness. So always remember this when you're trying to discern a book, a church, whatever. Here, you have to hear this in the underlining message of the church. Church, and and this is, all right, now we're going from soapbox to my frustrations. Church, let me break it to you if you haven't heard this before. Church is not about you. Modern church today is so much about me and my wants and my consumers and I go church shopping to find out what they have for me. Church, the gospel is not about you. That's why we don't worship often in churches like the way we should because we make it about us. And what we're getting, you know, church is not about you. All right, let me say the phrase. Church is not about you. It's about what God has done for you in Jesus Christ. And when you really grasp that and you understand the depths of what God has done, then you begin to truly worship. Then you begin to truly live the abundant life that Christ has promised. As long as we try to make it, keep trying to make it about us, we're always going to feel frustrated. We're always going to come up short. It's never going to be what we think it's be because it's not meant to be. The new covenant, the old covenant is all about us. The new covenant is all about Jesus. Let us pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for your grace and for your mercy. I pray that the words today were guided by your spirit to each one of us to make it real to us what you have done for us in the new covenant. Help us as we take communion and come to your table. Be reminded that this represents the end of the old and the beginning of the new. We know know that law brings judgment, condemnation, division, And we know that your grace and your mercy brings salvation and forgiveness and unity. Lord, help us to live fully into what you have given us through your death and resurrection. Help us to live fully into the new covenant. Help us to live fully into this community of faith through the means of grace. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.